thank you, Pastor. I, I may look younger, but he's a whole lot wiser. I wish I had some of his wisdom. But it is a, uh, a wonderful delight to be in your, in your mix. And, and Heiko is not a very common name, is it? You heard of Heiko before? And uh, it is German. I'm a dual citizen, as my wife just mentioned. And, uh, you know, at Neely's Creek, when I pastored there for uh, six years, I had to remind them how to pronounce it. It is Heiko, because they always said, Pastor Heiko. They added, I don't know how many different vowels in there. And so when I moved to Rock Hill and to Neely's Creek, I had to learn another language, if you, uh, you catch my drift. But... Um, what, what is uh, wonderful in my role now with World Witness as the mission developer is that I have the great privilege to travel around and speak in different churches. I was never able to, to do that before. This is my first time preaching here at First ARP because when you are a pastor at a local church, well, Sunday morning is busy and you can't just um, hop and um, move over to another church and kind of visit around. But now I have the uh, great privilege, and I wanted to thank your pastor and the Session Missions Committee for inviting us to be with you here this morning during your missions conference. It is really a wonderful, wonderful privilege to be able to travel around and to meet with various folks. And from World Witness, I want to express gratitude to you for what you have done in the past, what you continue to do to support our missionaries and to be involved in missions yourself right here in, uh, in Rock Hill, in your neighborhood. So thank you so much for the uh, great privilege of being with you this morning. And this has been a full service already, has it not? A baptism and then the receiving of new members, the communicant, young people, which is always exciting in the life of the church, and then the rendition by the choir. That was tremendous, and I wanted to uh, thank you very much. It was very moving. I just wanted to jump up and say, amen, let's go home after that uh, rendition, because they, in essence, preached my sermon, and the words are listed for you in your bulletin, and But strong deliverer, strong deliverer, be my strength and shield. When I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fears subside. Death of death and hell's destruction, land me safe on Canaan's side. What, what a wonderful message that was. We do have a few moments and I do want to read our text for this morning, which comes out of Psalm 46. If you have it in your bulletin, I want to read it out of my text, which is the NIV. There's just a few minor differences. But let us give heed to the reading of God's Word. God is our refuge and strength, and never-present help in trouble. 
Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Here ends the reading of God's word. Let us go to the Father one more time before we delve into our sermon. Father, we pray as we come to this portion of the worship service that we would receive from you what you have for us. We pray for those who are listening, that you would anoint their ears. We pray for the one who is preaching in the pulpit, that you would anoint his lips, and that you would forgive him his many sins. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in life, we have this dual experience. On one hand, you have great joys and you have experiences that fill you up and that encourage you. And then on the other hand, almost simultaneously, you might have situations of despair and disappointment and setbacks. Is that not true? You have, I'm sure by now, heard of Andrew Brunson, one of our missionaries that was sent out a number of years ago to serve in Turkey, who has been now incarcerated in prison for over... 16 months. And just last Tuesday, we heard this devastating news that his prosecutor is seeking life imprisonment for Andrew Brunson. That is devastating. He's one of ours. He went to Turkey to proclaim the good news of Christ. And now he sits in prison. That's horrible. That's really unbelievable, this injustice that is happening to him. At the same time, last Sunday, a week from today, we got news from Jeff and Suzanne Allers, who are our missionaries who you support serving in Berlin. And they gave us great news that a Syrian refugee, a male in his late 30s, early 40s, not only came to faith and professed his faith in Jesus Christ, but went to be baptized last Sunday. And right before he was baptized, he declared, he cried out, Jesus is my life. And so we have a new brother in Christ, a Syrian refugee. We call him an MBB, a Muslim background believer. Once a Muslim. 
now came to understand who Jesus was, and that Jesus died for his sins, and now a Christ follower. So you have this going on in life. And I don't know you, I don't know where you are in your life, and I don't know what you have experienced, but I think I can be fairly accurate in making the statement that you have experienced both. Wonderful moments of exuberance and joy, and you give thanks for those, and then just devastating losses where you wonder, God, are you, are you there? Do you see what's, what's happening? God is talking back to me already. <laughs> but are you there? Do you, do you see what is, what is going on in my life? And so the question that I want to ask this morning and, and follow up on uh, using the scripture is, what do you, what do I, what do we need to feel safe, to feel secure? What do we need? Let's go to this text. There's three principles I want to pull out of our text here this morning to answer that question. It starts off by saying, God is our refuge. What do we need? Well, I think we would need a secure place. And here we have the word refuge. A little further down in the text, we have the word fortress. In the original language, refuge and fortress are different words, but they have a very similar meaning. The meaning in the original is a lofty place place of inaccessibility, a high place, which connotes a place of safety, a strong tower, a refuge. I don't know if we have any lovers of the Star Wars movies. I don't know how many they have been produced already, dozens, maybe hundreds of them, but not the most recent, but the one previous to that. It ends with a scene up on a hill. It's a jagged mountain kind of coming out of the Irish Sea off the coast of Ireland. It's called the Great Skelly or Michael Skelly. And it is just a small little island, a rock coming out of the waters. Between the 8th and 12th century, some monks established a monastery right there because they wanted to remove themselves from the world and its temptations. They wanted to move out into a place of inaccessibility, a lofty place, high up. You can't get there. You can feel relatively safe. Maybe some of you have traveled to Europe, and as you travel through the countryside in many different countries, you will see castles and fortresses. And where are they located? High on a mountaintop, are they not? For two obvious reasons. Number one, you can see the approaching armies from a great distance. You have time to prepare yourself for battle. The other thing, it's much easier to battle from the top down, is it not? If I'm standing right here, 
your pastor wants to regain the pulpit and he's coming at me, it is easier for me to defend from the top down, push him down. It, it makes sense, does it not? It's a place high up, inaccessible. And that's what this text is saying. He is our refuge, our fortress. So a secure place, but not only that. You also need a power to secure that secure place. And what is that power in our text here this morning? There are two names for God used in our text. You turn to there in verse 1, you have God. God is the power in this secure place. So you have God, and then in verse 7, you have the Lord Almighty. Or in the reading, it is called the Lord of hosts. Two different names in the Hebrew. So, in verse 1, when we look at the name God, what does that translate into the Hebrew? Well, that name is Elohim. You not heard that. Elohim, it's a name for God. Where do we meet Elohim for the first time in the scripture? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And stop here for just a moment. That is who we are talking about here. The God of creation. Out of nothing, ex nihilo, God Elohim speaks everything there is into existence. He says, let there be light. And there was light. Everything there is, he speaks into existence. The vastness of the universe and the intricacies of just one human cell are the sheer power of his word. That's Elohim. El, the root word, is the strong one or mighty leader. Strong, mighty one. That is the God who is in this place, who is there to protect us in this place of refuge. But not only do we have Elohim mentioned here in this text, there is another name for God. In verse 7 and in verse 11, the Lord Almighty, or the God of hosts. So how does that translate into the Hebrew? That name is Yahweh. You have heard that, have you not? Yahweh. That is the sacred, intimate personal name for God. Elohim is the second most repeated name in the Old Testament. Yahweh is the most oft-repeated name in the Old Testament. 6,823 times do we read it in the Old Testament. And I counted every single one of them. Not really. I'm trusting those who have. But over 6,000 times is Yahweh mentioned. Where do we meet Yahweh? Well, for the first time also in Genesis, but then most powerfully in Exodus chapter 3. Do you recall what goes on in Exodus chapter 3? 
There is Moses tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. And as he is tending his flock, minding his own business, he notices something to the side of him. There is a bush that is on fire. I don't know about you, or I don't know about Moses. Was he a pyromaniac? I am, and I would want to check out. There's a fire. There's a bonfire. So he goes over, walks over to check it out, and is stunned by the reality that, yes, the bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. He's never seen that before. And so he is inquisitive, and he gets closer. And then this burning bush, which is not being consumed, speaks to him. can only imagine. If it was my, if it was me, I would have freaked out right about now. Here is a bush that is talking to me. And the voice out of the bush says, Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. And then there's this interaction between Moses and the voice coming out of the burning bush. And the voice, God himself, says to Moses, I have heard the cries and the prayers of the people of Israel in captivity in Egypt, and I'm about ready to rise up and to deliver them. And Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him, let my people go. Moses taking a step back and he said, uh, wait, wait a second, you want me to go to the most powerful man on the planet at the time, Pharaoh, and you want me to tell him to let my people go. What's interesting in that text is that God really doesn't answer that question. He simply says to Moses, I'll be with you. Here's a quick takeaway. It doesn't matter what you are facing in life. It doesn't matter the challenge that is before you. What God has promised is, I'll be with you. You might feel insignificant or powerless. God says, I'm with you. And then Moses says, all right, so if I, if I do that, I go back to my people, and I tell them this great plan of yours, and they then respond, well, who is this that has talked to you? What's his name? What shall I say? And then the voice out of the bush says, I am who I am, Yahweh. I will be who I will be. It speaks of God's self-existence. He always is. There's no beginning, there's no end. He, he was, he is, and he shall be. There is no shadow of turning with him. Here's a great theological word for you this morning. Self-existence, another word for it is aseity of God. The aseity of God. The self-existence of God. That is what God was communi communicating. Yahweh. So it is the mighty one, Elohim, the strong, mighty leader, God, Elohim, and it is Yahweh, the personal, intimate, sacred name of God, who is our fortress. We're talking here about a strong being. 
not only do you need a secure place, not only do you need a power that can secure the secure place, but here's the third element, because you need the proximity of the powerful being in the secure place. Because if you have a secure place, but there's no power to protect it, you can overrun it. No problem. So you need the proximity. And this is where, for me, it gets really exciting. Because look at verses 7 and 11 once again. The Lord Almighty, Yahweh, is with us. Do you know what with us sounds like in Hebrew? With us, this a little phrase. This is what it sounds like in Hebrew. Imanu. Imanu. Aren't you tempted to add a syllable to that? Imanu El. El is a shortened form of Elohim, the mighty one. Here God is saying, I will be with you. I am Emmanuel. What's the great statement, the great verse that we like to quote out of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, usually around Christmas time? The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, and she shall call him, no, she shall give birth to a son, and she shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So as we bring this to a close, this is the takeaway for us this morning from this text. The safest place for any of us to be is not in a certain physical location. No, the safest place for any of us is in a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, who is called Emmanuel. And that's the good news. And that's what the choir sang about the strong deliverer. See, Jesus Christ, God's Son, the second person of the Trinity, took on human form. He came into this broken world, and that's the theme of your missions conference. God in the broken world. He's active in the broken world. He came into this broken world to redeem this broken world for His glory and for our good. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the fantastic news that we have to proclaim. And as we continue to walk through life with all of its uncertainties, with all of its joys and setbacks and disappointments, we can be assured from this text, God, Elohim, Yahweh, has promised to be with us. If you were in the Sunday school hour, Kay played a little um, message from a refugee lady. And she kept expressing, Jesus is with me. Jesus is with me. See, that's the great promise. So then, no matter what happens in your life, or in this life that we experience, we can be assured, God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us, to be with us, to be in our midst. He is Emmanuel.